Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here again. Um, to uh, be a church, it's always, so we talked about that in the Sabbath School, about the pleasure of coming to study one with another, to grow in truth and knowledge, and the pleasure of being able to travel, being able to be here. And we talked about Paul's travels, and the Sabbath day, and, and uh, consulting with people for uh, week by week by week, and it showed us three weeks sometimes in a row, and then we found one where it was six months, or a year and six months, I forget what it was now. <laughs> year and six months, yeah. Um, so uh, while we're studying things like that, we're using this booklet for our Sabbath School lessons. And anybody can get these. They're either on the internet or we can email it to people. Um, but this is uh, a production of our own from the church here. And it's got uh, multiple lessons. I, I wasn't going to carry this one up. I guess I actually need this paper because I, I did have a, a paper of what the lessons were and uh, where it's going to go, I guess, is the main thing. This uh, table of contents and another table of contents is right over here. Um, the uh, Steps to Truth, we called this booklet. And so that's what I thought about this sermon uh, while I was building thoughts and putting thoughts together. What do you do and what, do you, what have you got to deal with? What's, what's available to us readily that we can speak to other people about? And so uh, the sermon for today is called Preach the Word. Sometimes we need some help <laughs> in preaching the Word. Where do you find this thought? Well, how do you tie that thought with that thought? Well, this, this kind of a book, this one here, The Steps to Truth, uh, has a double dealing, double thing that can be used for one is for teaching other people and how they will teach the next generation and how they will teach the next generation. That's Bible verse, isn't it? <laughs> okay. We need to prepare for the others. But this one has various um, titles of lessons and various pages for the lessons, and it's not done yet. I envision this book um, to be about, but for Sabbath school lessons, probably somewhere around 40, 50 ver, uh, studies. And each one will have varying amounts. I've got the, have I got them mixed up? <laughs> right. Yeah, the Sabbath School uh, lesson book is different from the one that we're using on Wednesday night. The one on Wednesday night we're actually building for... Uh, people to come to a knowledge of the truth and what is that truth, and then um, how they will carry it on to another generation. And that also becomes, um, how do you join this church? Well, that can be, you, know, you kind of think, oh, is there a reason? Is there something? But you have to have some starting ground. Otherwise, if a person comes to say, I, I, I want to meet with this group, and then they don't realize what, what this group teaches. And so as you go along, you want them to know what's going on on each stage of the way uh, so that there's a, uh, a certain format that you follow. It's somewhat like a doctrinal beliefs booklet, but um, it's built differently and it's meant for different. So, but we do start with, uh, uh, is there a God? Well, if you don't know that what God and is there a God? Or, you know, 
You need to get that down first. And then you don't want to surprise as you go along. So this, uh, they're both kind of parallel to each other, both working together. So is there a God? And God is God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, is sin real? The wages of sin? The um, um, quest for truth? The gospel of salvation? The authority of the Bible? Reasons to, be, uh, to believe the Bible is the truth. Uh, faith in Heavenly Father. Uh, Jesus is the Messiah. And that's kind of where we are in, in the revamping these. We're moving some of the numbers so that salvation is up front. And the further down you go, the destiny of, of creation and so on, as you get further down. So there's 30 lessons in that. The, uh, that's what we're doing on Wednesday night to prepare that for that job. Uh, the Sabbath school quarterly follows the same sort of thing. It's in, a, uh, in this bigger binder and pop out pages uh, or you can add pages as need be or modify if your spelling is wrong or decimals are in the wrong place or whatever. It's easy to, to adapt. So this booklet and the other one can be used to teach others of the faith. They ask a question, what about this? And you can tell them. Um, and other people have done this too, like Brother Wesley Walker has a book called um, uh, Answers to Your Bible Questions. It's available on our website and it's available on the McAllister website um, for people to grow in truth and knowledge and have all these different topics. So um, some are 30 lessons like these and some are less, some are more. But when I started church, we had the same thing. When I went to the first meetings with the Church of God some day in Canada, we had the brown book, <laughs> um, big heavy book. And we sat in the pews with a, a board in front of us uh, so that it wouldn't fall down. It was hooked to the back of the, pre, of the next pew in front of you. And uh, then we could all study. And we went through the same thing. Is there a God? What about the Heavenly Father? What about the Bible itself? What about uh, Jesus Christ? And we studied that first. And there was quite a few lessons. I don't remember how many lessons were there, but quite a few lessons. It had a story in there, uh, a little bit on every book of the Bible was one of the first things that, that we studied about so that we got on the same page. You weren't going to be surprised afterwards. Oh, uh, we come on Wednesday nights all the time and what's this about Saturday? <laughs> No, we, we learned that first too, that we were going to a church that had meetings on Sabbath. So this book can have two or three different things going on in the use of it and making it work, writing it up, getting it planned for another generation can teach the same thing. Here I am, how many years? Wow, I guess that was uh, 70 years ago when I started studying this kind of material. 70 years ago. My parents got into the Church of God Seventh-day and of course I was brought into it and 10 years old, I was baptized. I knew what it was all about. I knew what sin was. No surprises. So if somebody wants to get that, like in uh, listening to the video and so on, if they're interested in that material or that book, 
Uh, it's actually available on the website, but if you need be, we can photocopy it and send it to you, or we can email it to you, uh, and it's possible to get it quite quickly and quite readily. So, preaching the Word, Scriptures. Preaching the Word. Um, the Scriptures itself, instead of bringing up a computer up here, I got my Bible, and I've got my Bible printed out, okay, so that I can find these quickly. So here's the first verse, is in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. Preach the Word. When I'm thinking of that as I'm going along, I'm studying bits of the verse at the same time. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word. That's the, the Bible is referred to as the word of God, the word. So you'll hear it both ways, meaning just the, the writing in the book or the whole book. It's still the word of God, the Bible. Be instant in season, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You say, whoa, now that's a mouthful. That's a lot of things. But it's good for all of these things for us. One by one kind of. You can do all, all these things. Uh, in season, out of season. When I was young and when I'm old. We can all use it. Anybody of any age can use it. Any season of life. Any season of the year and season of life. Rebuke. Oh, nobody wants to hear that. But sometimes we have to have correction or instruction uh, that points the way for us. Or um, how do you know that there, the <laughs> Bible says that, that after, Paul said, I guess, after I leave his area and go to another area, grievous wolves will enter in. Well, how do you know what is a wolf and what is a sheep? What are those that are learning by the milk of the word? We, we need to understand what we're reading and, and what it means. Uh, so exhorting people, encouraging them, uplifting them. Uh, we need to be long-suffering. Sometimes people don't learn as fast as somebody else or somebody has a hang-up. Uh, somebody has an uh, educational problem, a learning problem. Uh, we have to have long-suffering. But you know, the last thing it says in that verse is doctrine. And I've had good, good meaning of people, people that mean well, and even on a board member, board member of the church, and they'll say, I don't want to hear any doctrine. You're going to run people off if you teach doctrine. Start looking in here and how many times where doctrine is used. It's all over the place. Try to preach the book of Genesis without the word doctrine. There's doctrine all over the book of Genesis. <laughs> so, yeah, we need doctrine. It's just the teachings, the teachings of the church. And the more you lay it out in an organized pattern, they'll say, well, that's the doctrines of the church. Well, it's the doctrines of the Bible, <laughs> the doctrines of the Heavenly Father. So it's not a surprise. Anyway, then as I started looking through different words that I would use in the sermon, I started thinking, oh, strong, strong doctrine. Stand. Stand where you are. Go in the temple and stand. Stand up and say that the teachings uh, were some of the words that was used. And uh, sermon, sometimes it says that he taught, Jesus taught, or Paul taught, or so and so. They reasoned out of the scripture. This is all the same kind of idea. Uh, they're teaching, and some is more... Um, Organized, I guess, a little differently, and is a sermon. 
sermon that you're teaching on a topic that's going along. It's, it's not a bad word. Uh, I've heard uh, ministers that I heard, and when they got into the pulpit, they all of a sudden changed their pitch of the voice and they, their attitude and their way of saying, wow, what's this? Is this a preaching voice? And Yeah, that's what they do. They, they have a preaching voice. Well, I like to teach. I like to teach things, and so I don't feel like I have to have a, a raised voice or a certain pitch of voice, certain style of voice to be a preach to preach something. So preaching or preach and teaching, all kind of the same thing. I'm gonna lay down some sheets from time to time here because I'm getting as I get less, you'll know the time is running out. No, <laughs> not really. Uh, <laughs> But I started thinking of things about baptism, that we need to teach baptism, or what did Jesus preach? When Jesus sent them out to preach, or when Paul went out to preach, or Peter and John and so on, when they went out to preach, what did they teach? What was in this story? Uh, What did John the Baptist preach? He preached baptism. Um, They were to teach, go into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then uh, you have to understand the scripture, what that means. The sheep is not uh, those fuzzy things that get in a corral and <laughs> they, they make wool for you. <laughs> um, they're people. The lost sheep, the lost people, mild-mannered people maybe even, that need to learn about the Heavenly Father. They learn about Jesus. They learn about the Heavenly Father. They learn salvation. Uh, all are topics that could be called a doctrine. What kind of doctrine do you have for salvation? Or baptism? Or other things? Um, what about Jesus himself? I'm going to look up some verses on that. Uh, what did he teach? What did he do? Um, the idea of turning around, turn your ways, turn away from the evil, and turn to the Heavenly Father. Uh, turn is in the scriptures. Want to uh, see some of those? Not can't look up any too many of all of these words, but and the Bible, of course, the Word of God. We need to teach the Word. We need to preach and teach faith. And sometimes it's called Word of Faith. The cross. We've run across how do, there's verses on teaching the cross. And you have to think a little on them sometimes as to what are you teaching? The wood thing? Was it a post or was it a bar? Maybe we need to forget that and find out what it really means to take up your cross and follow Christ. Our cross, our cause, follow Christ. Uh, Jesus being crucified is a a study on its own as to uh, what that should mean to us and and what commitment we would have to that cause. Uh, Christ's gospel. What belongs to Jesus Christ? What was his gospel? Uh, The gospel of peace. If we were teaching that or working with that, I've got scriptures for that. Uh, Warning everyone. Warning them of what? That verse is in the Bible, to warn the people. Warn them. Uh, We need to have some thoughts on that, what we'd do with it. Um, To preach, what what would you preach? And I've got one in here especially, and how we should react and respond. Preaching glad tidings. What do glad tidings mean? Happy thoughts, good results. The end of the world being happy for us or good for us. Uh, when the end is coming, are we ready for the end of the world? 
Are we ready to meet our maker? Is that in the Bible? Meet our maker, make our, meet our God? Yeah, that's in the Bible. Uh, what about if we came to a judgment day? Oh, well, now this is maybe back to that first verse I just read. Rebuke, exhort. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a time coming of judgment. And we, we like to hear the verses where it says, uh, you'll come to this point in the, in the walk or whatever, and you'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, that kind of a judgment we all like. <laughs> we want to hear that one. But what if it wasn't that way? Are you prepared that you'll have the good statement when you come to the Lord? Come in front of the Heavenly Father or Jesus Christ as judge. Because there's verses that say that Jesus is the judge. It's been given to him. So glad tidings, preaching and so on. Um, and that Jesus is the Christ. What does that really mean to us? So I'm going to leave that all aside as a preview. And here's just Bible in front of me now. I'm going to be saying a Bible verse and reading it immediately. So if you want to write it down as to where I'm at, or if you want to uh, follow along, you'll have to be quick on looking up the verses. Ephesians 6 and verse 10 tells us about the word strong. I was wanting to build this a little bit in strong. Uh, what, what, how can that be used in our understanding of the scriptures? So Ephesians 6 verse 1. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Boy, you can take that apart and have that all in one sermon, wouldn't it? He's expecting us to be strong spiritually. Know the scriptures, understand the scriptures, to grow in truth and knowledge. And the power of his might. Do we really know the power of Jesus Christ? We need to. We need to respect his power and authority and, and who he is. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All of that should be thought through. Uh, why be strong? Well, we got to know what you're doing. You got to be determined in what you're doing. You got to be going the right way. In the grace, do we have enough grace of Jesus Christ? Do we understand his grace and how we respond to it? That's, that's a, a Bible study. That'd be a good one. The grace of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, it's using again the word strong. So that's what I was hunting for here. What, what, how can this help us? Hebrews 5 and verse 12. For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers. This is a scolding. That first verse said that we were going to get some exhorting. <laughs> uh, we're going to get told to be correct. Uh, so this is a correction thought. If, if we wanted to be teachers and we don't know what we're teaching, that would be a disaster. Uh, we'd have to hear more of the situations and more problems, what, what people ask. On Wednesday nights, we're hearing more of, well, our present world uses this word when they're asking questions for thus and thus. And we have to have enough knowledge of the world around us that we can answer those questions. The... Um, <laughs> They ask you, are you following me? Uh, no, I'm not following. Because I'm thinking of a different word of following. 
You follow somebody, you walk close behind them, don't you? <laughs> but they don't mean that in this world that we're in. And somebody say, well, just reach out your hand. Stick out your hand. Reach out. Um, well, I can stand here and reach out my hand and the telephone doesn't ring. The person on the other end doesn't talk. They're using a different meaning for reach out to somebody. <laughs> we got to watch our words, how they're used. The world has changed. But anyway, it says here, if you want to be a teacher, uh, ye have need of one teach you again. This is a scolding. You're, you're trying to teach somebody else and you actually need to be taught yourself. That says you better get out the books. Learn. Learn the scriptures. Learn cross-referencing. Learn what the former words mean, the old English mean. You need to find out some things that, that uh, you need to have that done so that you can teach others. Which be the first principles of the oracles of God. The very first teachings that you'd ever hear coming into a church. Do you know what it means? And I don't mean when you have a eight-year-old child or something, rather, and you want them to tell you what um, justification and big words like that. Sanctification, justification. So that, that's, that comes into another category right here in the same verse. So we'll get there. First principles are the soft, easy stuff, which are still the oracles of God. Uh, and then this is continuing, and if you want to be teachers, and are become such as are in need of milk, and not strong meat. This is not food. This is not cow's milk. This is not meat from, from sheep or something. Uh, this is a different topic altogether. And you have to reason through these. This is where you'd say, the easy things of the Word of God. You can teach those really easily and people will understand them easily. Um, when Jesus put, says they put, the shepherd puts the sheep in the in the fence area and when he comes and he talks to them and calls his sheep and they know his voice and they'll follow him um, we need to think about spiritual values of that that milk the easy words but also when you start debating some strong topics that's the strong meat strong understandings deep understandings of the scriptures okay in hebrews again hebrews 5 and verse 14 be strong no, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Now, this is not about whether they're 16 or 20 or 30 or 50. Or, that's really not that meaning. It's your spiritual age. Are we grown up in the Lord? Have we grown up in the knowledge of the scriptures and can handle these stronger topics? The strong meat are stronger topics. Even those who are, by reason of use, have their consciences exercised to discern both good and evil. Some people just can't seem to get the difference between good and evil. Can God create evil? Yes, there's a scripture that way. It says, I create evil. Wow, now how do we fit that in with a loving God? Or, or where's this all going? If you did not have evil around, you'd never be tempted between good and bad. You'd never make a choice between good and bad. If God did away with Satan when he started creating this earth, if there was nothing wrong, nothing sinful, nothing, uh, an advocate uh, or uh, somebody trying to destroy the Satan, if he wasn't there, what would we be? We'd be vegetables. 
We'd do as we're told, and that's all we'd know. God had to provide these two. God had to provide creation of uh, a savior. And how does that fit into his overall plan? He wants people that wants to, that want to serve him. He doesn't just want somebody to just come along and say, I'll do whatever you say. He wants us to choose righteousness. Choose this day whether you're going to serve this God or that other God. We're choosing. We have a choice. And that takes strong understanding of the scriptures to understand some of those deep meanings. And it's not that hard, really. It's just, you have to be ready for it, I guess, would be the thing to say. In Luke 21 and verse 36, it begins to talk about stand up for what you believe. Stand up for what you're doing. So Luke 21, 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be, account, may be counted worthy to escape these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of God, Son of Man, Son of God. Um, do you want to escape from the bad things of this world? Yes, yes, yes. We, we'd rather not have the bad things. We certainly don't want them to overtake us. So we need to have our foundations built, our strong foundations in the Scripture, strong understanding of the Bible. It's not going to be a disaster that uh, it's going to overwhelm you and you're going to be taken over, you're going to fall, you're going to fail. Uh, God is not trying to keep us out of the kingdom. He's trying to get us into the kingdom. When we understand those things, then we'll be able to come and stand up it's before the Son of God. The judge will be able to stand up and, and have an answer to where we are and what we're doing. We're ready to meet him. In Acts chapter 5, verse 20, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. This life. What life? It's the life of Jesus Christ. The things that Jesus stood for. His life. Did it matter? What did he, what did he stand for? That, he, that it is good to serve Jesus Christ. So we are supposed to even go and stand in the temple before other people and be able to give uh, an account of our beliefs that we can witness to people and bring them to salvation. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 again has the word stand. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Ah. Somebody comes and says, I'm going to give you the gospel. I'm going to teach you the gospel. Do we know what they're talking about? Is this an English word that we don't know? We should be able to understand it. So he's going to declare unto you the gospel which I preached. So you go to hear a preacher, you're not going to candy taffy pole, <laughs> a fun night. You're going there to learn, to get something from this words that are preached. Which also ye have received. You're receiving this from Paul and so on. Uh, from others that are leading and teaching the gospel and teaching Sabbath school lessons and so on. Um, and wherein ye stand. Do we know it well enough to say, I, I understand what, what you're doing. I understand how to teach others, how to defend the gospel. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. 
I know I'm moving along pretty fast, and I hope you've got your sharp pencil there. Uh, but Ephesians 6, verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil is trying to destroy whatever the Heavenly Father has made, and whatever is good, Satan is trying to destroy it. Do we have something that helps us to stand against these ideas, these wiles of Satan, Satan's ways, uh, the scriptures, and put on the whole armor of God. That's a spiritual sense, putting on defense from the Heavenly Father. Down further in that same, you could read uh, uh, from Ephesians 6, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, so on. You want to read that in that um, in the Bible. But verse 13 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may able to, to, um, able to withstand in the evil day when bad days come, and have, having done so, uh, having done, done all to stand. Um, I've got it in big bold letters, to stand. Uh, we know the wiles are coming. We've, we've heard Satan is trying to destroy. We heard that he's trying to build up an army against the Heavenly Father. If you've read some of the book of Revelation or all of it, you know that this is a real thing that's happening. And Matthew 24 and so on, you know that this is happening. This, this uh, evil day is coming. Uh, but have we done enough to defend ourselves spiritually? Do we know the Heavenly Father? Do we know the rules of the game? Um, can we stand up uh, in those situations? And verse 14, the next verse, in Ephesians 6, verse 14, Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. That's why that lesson book is called Steps to Truth. It takes this and this and this and this, and, and if you have all the truths lined up, and you know them, uh, have you got the uh, tied around your waist? Like soldiers, when they're going to go to battle, they didn't want their clothing to get in their way, a jacket or a lengthy fishing uh, thing that they had for, for going fishing. Uh, is that going to cause you to stumble? Or do you have it tied up? Do you have your spiritual strength ready? Have you gathered it together so that you're able to stand and be able to defend? And having the breastplate of righteousness. Wow. If you haven't got righteousness, what have you got? Falsehood, evil, bad results. Uh, no, we don't want that. We need to know the difference between right and wrong, truth and unrighteousness. Uh, and defend ourselves with righteousness. Then in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it talks about the word preach. So I wanted to be sure that we, we hear the preach as well. We need to tell others. We need to go and tell the message, give the message to them. And that is referred to as preaching, whether kind of professionally in preaching or whether just a teacher. Both are needed. Both are needed. So in, um, in Matthew 4 and verse 17, for that time Jesus began... Well, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Jesus preached. He not only taught, but he did preach. And to say, this is what Jesus was saying. We need to say what Jesus says. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I used to hear that so much when I was young. It got ground right into my head. That's good. 
That's good. We need to know what we're doing. When we go out and we're teaching somebody, we need to be telling them about repentance. Telling them about how to get out of this sinful world and how these bad things that are happening. How do, how do we end this? And that's a type of preaching or teaching. And Jesus was doing that. He taught, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And John the Baptist did the same thing, right? He was to preach. In uh, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7, go, you, go ye, uh, I've said them backwards, and as ye go, as you're going, these 12 were being sent out, and as ye go, preach. That's a type of teaching, or in Paul's day, they even, um, uh, I want to use the word argue, but that's not it, uh, debated, he um, conversed uh, with the people of the world and of the Greeks and so on, but they were to teach and preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what Jesus told us to do, go. All the 12 were supposed to go, and they were supposed to tell us as they come down the generations. In Mark chapter 1, verse 4, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John the Baptist did that. John the Baptist was teaching and preaching of repentance and remission of sins, getting forgiveness of sins. How to get it? How do you get it? What do you ask? Who do you ask? Who do you pray? How do you pray? Those are all part of that story that we need to teach and preach. In uh, Luke chapter 4 and 43, Luke chapter 4 and verse 43, and he said unto them, I must preach, this is Jesus, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for there, for therefore, I am sent. Sent. I am sent. Jesus was sent to do this job. What was the job? He was to preach the kingdom of God. Then what, we, what should we do? We should be doing likewise. In Luke chapter 9, verse 2, Luke 9, 2, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick and so on. Um, Jesus sent them to preach the kingdom of God. And in verse 60 of that same book, same chapter, Luke 9, 60, Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Leave the worldly problems behind you. Take on a new cause in life and go and preach the kingdom of God. Acts 5.42 And daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach what? Who? Jesus Christ. Do we know enough about Jesus Christ that we can preach and we can hold meetings and preach Jesus? Just Jesus. Don't worry about all the other problems. Can you preach just Jesus? Surprisingly, when I made that the lessons for the Sabbath school lesson. I had uh, so many for, for, for creation, so many for the Bible, and so many for the Heavenly Father. When I got to Jesus, I had about four or five pages of items about Jesus. And then I had to end it with where the Bible says, if they had been able to write it all down, 
there would be way more. So I had to end with about another five lessons on Jesus, just on Jesus. Do we know enough that we can go and teach Jesus to the world? And that's what a big cause is that we need to do, preach Jesus. In Acts 16, verse 6, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galicia, and you know what? You don't really know the Bible unless you know where these cities are. They seem insignificant to us. They went from here to there. But if you had a map and you said, okay, they went to there, and they went to there, and they went to there, it opens it all up. It opens your eyes to the world that they were living in and what they had to say to those people and who lived there. And then carries on, and for forbid of the Holy Ghost to teach, to preach the word in Asia. There was a cause here that the Holy Spirit said to them, don't go there. You're forbidden of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, to preach the word in Asia. There was something else happening there. Your job's not there. Don't go there. Don't, don't be involved in that area. If you sent up these seven churches in that same country, they got a job to do, and there you go. Go take care of that. Right? Paul and his group had a different job to do. In verse 10, Acts 16, verse 10, And after he had seen the vision, immediately he endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them, unto them. Preach the gospel. Okay, you, you guys are not supposed to go there. There's somebody else's job. Don't go there. Your job is over here in Macedonia because they saw that man saying, come over and teach us. It's in a vision. And they gathered. No, the Holy Spirit wants us to go there. The Holy Spirit was guiding them. Do we have that? We need that to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And they went and preached the gospel. Got to be careful what we're preaching over there, the gospel, the salvation of Jesus Christ, the salvation that God provided. And who is the one that was to die for us? Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be preaching Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, the next verse is in Acts 17, verse 3. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and raised again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is the Christ. If you read somewhat in, uh, I guess just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will get you going there, but uh, especially in John, but you'll see that they were reading the scriptures, which is Old Testament scriptures. They had Hebrew, they could understand that, read that. They also had to learn and understand Greek because that's the people that were ruling them just before the Romans took over. And they, they understood Greek. Well, they took the Old Testament Bible and wrote it in Greek. They called it the Septuagint. They had to know that Greek. They had to know that Bible, that Hebrew, that Greek text of the Old Testament. Well, when they knew that, then they were able to, uh, of, to allege or go and, go and do it uh, about Jesus Christ, about that he was going to um, raise from the dead. 
and that he was to be preached the Christ. When you're reading in those Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you say that they came along with these scriptures and they said, he's the Christ. Hey, where did they get that idea? They got it from the Old Testament. Hey, we got to read the Old Testament. We got to find out what that's all about. We get history and so on. One thing I like about the Old Testament, the aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and cousins and nephews, and they all believed in the same God. Wow. And if somebody said, well, my God's name is so-and-so, what's your God's name? Did they have the answer? Sure did. <laughs> okay. So we need to know the Old Testament as well and to preach that Christ, that Messiah, that person that was going to come and die for us. Show us the way. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 15, it says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Paul writing a letter to the Romans. And he said, you know, as much as in, in, I've just got a desire, I've just got a burning feeling, I need to get to Rome. And you know what? I, I like to tease on that one a little bit. The church didn't have the money to send him to Rome. So how does he get there? There's boat travel, there's food, lodging. <laughs> God did it. It's a God thing. When they came to him and accusing him and so on, he says, I appeal to Caesar. You know, you can still do that in the United States. If you have a definite cause that reaches right to the top of the line and you want the president of the United States to say it, you can say that. You say, I appeal to president of the United States. And legally that can be answered. You can get help through the president. So he, he said, I'm coming to Rome. I'm going to come preach the gospel to you. These words are not just phony baloney words. When it says right there, I come to preach the gospel. We need to know what the gospel is so that we know what to preach. Okay. Then the next one is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. What are they preaching? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross. I've even heard people say they don't want you to say such things. They don't want you to say the word cross. You don't want to say blood. Uh, you're very mistaken if you don't understand enough of the Bible to know where the blood fits into the story. You know, that Jesus would die, that he shed his blood. Is that a, a, an object that you can't handle? A teaching that you can't handle? You need to understand where it came from, what it means. So they're going to teach the cross, the one that would come and die for us. What did the cross mean? You don't go around telling them, you all need to carry a piece of wood. <laughs> that's, that's not the idea. It's the meaning of the cross. What does the cross mean to us when the scripture says, take up the cross and follow me? It's not a piece of wood that you carry around. The cause, the cause of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You start talking about this cross, it's foolishness to certain people. But unto us which are saved, are we saved? Do we know what saved means and, and how we... we how you be, become saved and how do you respond to that message? We need to know what that means because it's here. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. 
Wow, how do you get the power of God? What does this really mean? That's a, that's a lot of study. You need to get into the meat of the word. Okay, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, so it's just a few more pages, uh, verses down. First Colossians, First Corinthians, pardon me, First Corinthians chapter 1, 23. But we preach Christ crucified. Whoa, that's what they're preaching. How do you know what that is? Have you studied it? Do you know how to explain that statement? We preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews, it's a stumbling block. And unto the Greek, it's foolishness. So you better study well because people are going to mock at you. People are going to say something about that when you say, I preach Christ crucified. That's what the cause of his crucifixion was. His death and bleeding. There's a, what's that cause? Okay, here's another one in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. It's chapter 2, verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach... Christ's gospel. It wasn't Peter's, it wasn't John, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. It was Christ's gospel. Oh, wow, that's got an apostrophe S. Jesus could even teach the same thing and preach the same thing, but we've got to teach what Jesus would have taught. Preach Christ's gospel. And a door was opened unto me of the Lord. So God was making sure that the message got to those people. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints. He's running himself down. Is this grace given that I should preach? He's got a job given to him. My duty, my job is to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Wow, he, he's got to study about Christ. He's got to think about what Christ did and what, what it means to, to be the Messiah, the Christ. Um, the unsearchable, wow. There's something there that we can dig real deep into, the strong meat of the word to understand that so that we can preach it to others. That's what it means in this verse. Acts 14, verse 15. And say, and saying, Sir, sirs, why do ye these things? Somebody's asking a question. We also are men. Why are you bowing? Why are you doing this and this? Uh, we also are men of like passion as you, with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these varieties, vanities, these vanities, unto the living God. Turn, turn yourself around. Get away from all these things that are distracting you spiritually, distracting your cause, your way of doing things, because he's preaching that unto us and unto these people, which made this God, this living God, that made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and all things that are therein, in all of heaven and all of earth and all of the sea, this is the living God that made these things. Wow. That verse could really take some time to study. But he's asking them to turn away from all of these distractions of life, 
all these causes of, you know, uh, find new countries, you know, find people to tax and <laughs> all the other causes that could be had to turn away from that and turn to the living God. In Acts 26 and verse 18, it says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. These people are living in a dark spiritual life, a dark world, dark understandings, and you need to turn them to light. And from the power of Satan, how do you get them away from Satan? We, we got to know that. That's an answer that we're supposed to know. To turn them from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, saving people. We use that, that word. We preach the gospel to save souls, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. The, the writer has this faith in him. He's wanting us to be able to have that faith also and that we can be sanctified by that faith. It's how do you turn to God, to righteousness, to light, from, to dark, from darkness to light, and accept Christ as your Savior, and be born again, be saved? How do you do that? That's what our job is. We need to be able to give an answer when we're asked. So that's where my story today ends. That's where I've come to. And we've got a job to do. We need to know all of these things and how they're worded, what they mean, understand the deeper things of God, and to witness to others and win them for, for Christ. May God bless you.